0: I want to begin by simply thanking you uh, for the many comments and uh, offerings of appreciation and understanding as I shared through email and uh, mailed letter uh, my decision to resign. Um, so many of you have uh, been gracious and encouraging, even in the midst of a difficult decision and difficult news that's it's difficult to share, difficult to hear. Um, I've said to many of you individually, I said it in my letter, you're wonderful people. We love the people of Yorkshire Church. It has nothing to do with Yorkshire Church. Um, but uh, to keep everybody informed with the same information, I want to read something that I read at the earlier service as well. Uh, I mentioned in the letter that July 14th, today would be my last Sunday, preaching for you. And that is because of plans that were made Way back, uh, as we talked about the time before our interim begins, uh, Reverend Richeson will be preaching next Sunday, and uh, Reverend Eddie Miller will be preaching the following week. And uh, so they will finish out July, and then August 1st uh, is the date then the interim pastor begins. So I share this now. Effective July 31st, I will resign as your pastor for education and discipleship. This decision comes based strictly on denominational issues that our church has been discussing for quite some time. Nothing about Yorkshire's people is moving me toward this decision. I will be the founding pastor at a new non-denominational ministry, and while much work has been done, at this point there are not many definite details to share. For purposes of integrity and fairness to Yorkshire, I am sharing this only so you know what my future plans are. I am not attempting and will not attempt to individually or corporately influence Yorkshire's members away from the church. If you would like information about the future ministry, please contact me directly. Nothing more will be shared from the auspices of Yorkshire Church. It's a hard choice. Uh, It's honestly a bit of a disheartening choice and I know many of us are sharing those feelings this morning. Uh, there are aspects that make it an absolutely exciting choice, um, but it's truly and honestly not an easy choice. And, uh, and that's scary. And I have a history of making bad choices. Um, I make bad choices a lot. Here are a couple lighthearted examples for you. Uh, We were driving to our cabin this past Memorial Day weekend, and there's a place we always stop for ice cream on the way. They always have a chocolate and vanilla soft serve, and then two other flavors that they rotate uh, throughout the year. And we always hope it's something like peanut butter, or mint, or tea berry. I love tea berry. And uh, this particular weekend, it was none of those. It was, uh, I believe, coffee and cookies and cream. And the fact you could have a cookies and cream ice cream from a soft serve place really intrigued me. So I thought I would try that, and it was awful. Um, <laughs> didn't taste anything like any other ice cream I'd ever had. It was a bad choice. Another example, there's a time I decided to take my dad's SUV down a very steep, very rocky, unmaintained uh, mountain road. The way up to a scenic Vista is, is perfectly fine, perfectly safe to travel. Many cars do it. The, the difference this day is most cars turn around and go back down the same way they came up. And I decided I'd just continue on down past the signs that tell you that you probably shouldn't do that. Um, uh, like I said, I was in a small SUV when really a Jeep Wrangler with those really big rugged tires would have been a much better choice. But I was in college and knew just about everything at the time. So... Uh, so away we went, and it wasn't long before we were asking ourselves if this was a wise decision or not, and again, we were in college, so of course we said yeah, and, um, and we kept going. Uh, as Long story short, as you may have guessed, uh, since I'm standing before you today, we made it, um, but uh, it was a very bad, bad choice. Uh, there are a lot of other bad choices I've made that honestly I don't want to share with you. Um, <laughs> They're embarrassing. Uh, they're disheartening. They're they're sad. They I just don't want to talk about them. Uh, but bad choices are common. Uh, nobody likes to make bad choices, but everybody does. In fact, I can honestly say we all make bad choices. You make bad choices. Uh, now I hope the number of bad choices you make is decreasing as you get older. I hope that for your benefit, I also hope that for my benefit as I get older, that my bad choices will decrease. Um, But if not, life still goes on. Um, At the core of making a bad choice, though, is something much simpler, something we face every day, and that is the opportunity to make a choice in the first place. Um, Whether it's a big choice or a small choice, we all make choices. And so we're going to move ahead one verse from last week. Last week, we were in Proverbs 3, verse 5. This week, we'll be in Proverbs 3, verse 6, and find that God, in his word, actually tells us exactly how these choices can be made with more confidence that your choice is a good one. And that's great news because you will continue to have choices, so why not know how to make the best choice possible? So here's the secret, it's nothing deep, you probably don't have to write it down, you don't want to quote me on it because it's so basic, Uh, but when you have a big choice, it's very comforting. Here it is, God knows what choice you should make. God knows what choice you should make. Isn't that something? It's powerful, incredible, tweetable, no it's not. It's not, it's really not, because if we have any sense of who God is and believe he's all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, then to say he knows what choice we should make really isn't a groundbreaking discovery. It's something we know. But you see, the issue here isn't the revelation of the truth, it's the reality of the truth in your life. The issue isn't the revelation of the truth, it's the reality of the truth in your life. And that's the way it is with so much of the Bible. We know what the Bible says in general. It's not that we don't know what the Bible says, it's that we fail to make what the Bible says our reality. We fail to take what the Bible says and apply it to our life. We fail to follow God's word and after doing that long enough, we even fail to consult God's word at all. You see, the truth is, as simple as this is, God knows what choice you should make. And that's great. Great. But it also leads to a deeper question behind our choices, and that's this. God knows what choice I should make. How do I know what choice I should make? It's great that He knows, but how do I know? Here's the bigger question from that How do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know what God's will is for my life? More important than all the little choices we make without much serious thought are the big choices, the ones that keep us up at night, the ones that we feel we really need to get right because if we don't, significant changes are going to happen and it could ruin everything. Or so we tell ourselves, how do I know what God's will is for my life? Now, nowhere in the Bible will will I find God telling me what type of ice cream I should get or, or whether or not I should go down this mountain. But even for the bigger stuff, sometimes the Bible seems quiet. Nowhere will you read the name of the person you should marry or the college you should attend. It didn't even explicitly say I should start a new church. But here's what it does tell me. Proverbs 3, verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Just like last week, this feels like it could be a children's sermon. It's a verse we hear so often and say so much. It's a little verse, but it's a little word inside that little verse that makes all the difference. And that word is all in all your ways. I took the time to study the word all in the original Hebrew, and it turns out it means all. It means every. It means without exception. There's nothing there that you need a Hebrew degree to, to figure out. It means all. No big revelation there. All means all. But here's the kicker. We don't like to do that. We don't like to acknowledge him in all our ways. Most of us compartmentalize our lives. We have an area that's for me and an area that's for God. God might get some time on Sunday morning. He might get some time before dinner. He might, he might get a radio station option along, along the bottom of our screen. Um, he, he, get, he gets some things. Then there's the me component. And in the me component, we put our, our money, our, our extra time, our, our, our jobs, the car we buy, the things we do with our family, for our family, how we decide what our agenda will be. Uh, all this other stuff goes into the, the, the me area. And in the me area, I call the shots. In the God area, that's the stuff we're willing to say, God, you call the shots for that stuff. But then everything else, I call the shots. But friends, as long as there is a me area at all, as long as there's anything outside of the God area of your life, you're not trusting him with everything. You haven't acknowledged him in all your ways. And yet, we're happy with that part of the choice. The part we're not happy with is when we want him to make our paths straight. When we want him to answer the big questions for us. But God is essentially saying to us here, do you want to know how to make sure all of this stuff works out? All these areas of your life work out. Do you want to know how you can decide how to spend your money and not feel bad about it? Do you want to know how you can know for sure that you're marrying the right person or going into the right career or or making the right decision about your long-term plans and retirement? The way to know that, the way to do that is to trust me with everything. Trust me with everything. That doesn't mean you write every paycheck over to the church. It means you use God's principles for handling money. That doesn't mean you don't have friends who aren't Christians. It means you treat these friends with the love and the dignity they get because God designed them and you tell them about Jesus, their savior, who can save them. It doesn't mean that you, you can't you know follow your career path and have freedom in that decision. But it does mean you know how God equipped you, what you're gifted to do and how you can use that to better the lives of other people, provide for your family and, and support the work of the church. And That doesn't mean you can't have freedom with your time. It just means you steward your time, knowing you have a God-given job to do things as a Christian and that those things should get the priority. If you do this, it's like taking the contents of that me area and dumping them into the, the God area. Then you've got the first part of the verse taken care of. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That means trust him with everything. Learn what he said about all of these things. If you do that, you can know that you are in God's will for you. Too often we think that because this verse uses the word path, there is only one right answer for every situation. I used to think that too. And then I took a class at seminary, and it's one of those those days that sticks out so clearly in my mind. I I remember where I was sitting. I remember the general look of the classroom as a person asked the professor, what do we say when people want to know what God's will is for their life? And he posed this question. The professor said, what if knowing God's will for your life isn't about knowing a specific detail? but rather being in a specific circle of possibilities? What if knowing God's will for your life isn't about knowing a specific detail, but rather being in a specific circle of possibilities? In other words, rather than knowing the name of the person you should marry or the name of the college you should attend or or the name of the occupation you're supposed to hold, What if you knew the realm that pleased God? For, for the name of, instead of the name of a person you should marry, what if you just knew the kind of person God says would make a good spouse? What if instead of receiving the exact occupation you should pursue, you knew how God has equipped you and therefore you know how to honor him with your gifts and with your talents? The New Living Translation puts the verse this way, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So we have two really popular verses from the Proverbs last week and today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. But Jesus had something to say about this too. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was talking with his disciples And he was telling them that he actually had to die as part of God's plan for saving the world. And Peter, when he heard this, said, no way, Jesus, no way can that happen to you. And Jesus, because the most important thing to Jesus was living his life God's way, said, get behind me, Satan. Satan. Get behind me, Satan. To his his friend, to his follower, to his disciple, he said, get behind me, Satan. And he went on to say, you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. You are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. What a barometer. What a barometer for our thoughts, for our actions, for our ambitions, our views, our politics. You are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. That's pretty tough talk from Jesus. But he went on to say that I know the fact I have to die doesn't sound fair. But the reason it doesn't seem fair is because you're looking at it from your own perspective. You're looking at it from your own perspective. Look at it from God's perspective. Look at it from God's perspective. You can trust him. He will help you to see that it actually makes sense. It doesn't stop there, though. Jesus went on just a, a couple of verses later and says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Take up your cross, deny yourself. Well, what does that mean? Self-denial is the willingness to put God and his kingdom priorities first self-denial is the willingness to put God and his kingdom priorities first. That sounds a lot like taking that me area of life and making sure it's all in that God area of life. Self-denial is the willingness to put God and his kingdom priorities first. As long as you're focused on me, you're going to ultimately miss out on what God is doing. That's what Peter was in danger of. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're you're focused on your priorities, not, not mine, not God's. If you really want to see what God's going to do, you've got to align with my priorities. If you focus on God and submit everything to him, you're actually much better off in the long run. It not only simplifies your life by focusing on what God really wants, but you've also strengthened your life because now you're focused on what God wants. And as a result, no matter what you're after, whether it's financial help, uh, a relational issue, employment issues, whatever your choice is, you're coming at it from God's perspective. The more you learn about him and grow in a relationship with him, the bigger that area will get, the more stuff you'll be, you'll be able to trust him with. And suddenly you're not so worried about how can I know God's will for my life But instead, you're able to say, I know I'm coming at this from God's perspective, not man's. Therefore, I can have faith that this choice will honor him. In other words, because you've chosen to acknowledge him with everything in all your ways, he will make your paths straight. He will show you which way to go, not because you read something specific in the Bible. Something as specific as a name or, or an occupation or, or, or a college or any other detail of our life, but because you've submitted to Him and love Him and trust Him with everything, with all things. And so the next time you have a decision to make, ask yourself is God acknowledged in this choice? Is God acknowledged in this decision making process? Have I taken the time to consider what God would actually say to this before I commit to my position? Is God acknowledged in this choice? Is God a part of the decision-making process? Have I committed to obey him with every variable, however it will affect my my finances, however it will affect my family, my my time, anything else involved in this decision? When you do that, you will experience God's peace in, in making your decision. Because everything you're doing flows out of your acknowledgement of God in all things. So if you're following God and seeking to obey and trust him, make your choice. Make your choice with confidence. But if you're not there, then what? What if you're not in a place where you feel you can do that with confidence and that you don't don't know all this stuff? If not, then you pray. You seek counsel from Christians around you who have, who have, have spent their life uh, growing closer and closer to Jesus. You listen to hymns and Christian music. And most importantly, you read your Bible with a focus on the areas of the Bible that talk about whatever your choice is. As you do that, you'll slowly but surely be able to, 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 to see what God says about the issue. And therefore, you'll be at much more peace as as you come to realize what your choice should be about the issue. And I'll take you right back to that verse from last week. You trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When you have a choice like that, taking the time to see what the Bible says about an issue, that's not leaning on your own understanding. That's trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And it begins to conform all your ways to acknowledge him so that you've cleared the way for him to make your path straight. You've cleared the way for him to make your path straight. You can move forward confidently that you have acknowledged him and therefore you can depend on him. Making choices as a Christian should never be like closing your eyes and and hoping you pick the right thing. When you make a choice, make sure you're making it with every single aspect entrusted to God. If kingdom priorities become your priorities, then your path will be straight. It doesn't mean there won't be obstacles. It doesn't mean you're gonna be promised success and it doesn't mean you won't fail. But through all of that, you're trusting God and, and that's a very peaceful place to be. You have to make a difficult choice to be able to do it from a place of peace is an incredible opportunity you have as one who believes this book. Can you picture yourself being at peace with your choices? Can you picture your family and friends being at, peace, at pieces? They make choices. Can you imagine if an entire church or community was confident that they were in God's will because everything they did flowed out of their love for God, out of a submission to God. There wasn't this separate category. There wasn't this this stuff we said, God, you can have all this, but I really want to manage this aspect. None of that. It's all God's. We just trust him with it. We trust him with it. I can tell you from firsthand experience the blessing of having peace in the midst of a big decision. It makes me want to never make a big decision without it again. It's a confidence you can have and I can have. It's a confidence we need anytime we seek to make a choice, the right choice that honors God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for never leaving us on our own. Way back in the Garden of Eden, when when Adam and Eve sinned, you came looking for them. You didn't leave them to fend for themselves, and, and that's been your history all throughout the Bible and into today. You don't leave us to fend for ourselves. You don't want us to fend for ourselves. You want us to trust you, to acknowledge you. And I pray that we would do that. I thank you for the peace that comes when we do that. Father, I love you. I thank you for this word. I thank you for your son. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Amen.